And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And good Monday, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson today. Uh, always an honor to do that. Uh, as I've said before, I think he's one of the strongest voices in Christian radio today, and that's why I say it's a real honor to fill in for Bishop Jackson. Lord willing, he'll be back in the chair tomorrow. This is Martin Luther King Day, as we remember uh, all the good things that he did for this country, drawing attention to some of the things, uh, the problems in this country, and uh, his, his character is being remembered today. And let's remember, character is what he emphasized. Uh, he looked forward to that day when people would be judged according to their character, not according to their skin color. You know, we have forces in this country today that are still trying to divide us according to skin color and staying away from character. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit because there are tremendous examples out there today uh, that, that prove those who wish to divide us along racial lines that, you know, it's not about uh, racial disparities. It's really about character. It's really about the uh, opportunity in this country uh, to move forward through hard work. But before we get to all of that, there is a brand new Gallup poll out this morning. Just got it in the last hour or so, which is fascinating and will serve as a good launch for our program today. It is a Gallup poll. Headline is U.S. political party preferences shifted greatly during 2021. Now, they, they polled some 12,000 people over 2021, so this is kind of an aggregate of all of those polls. So going back early in 2021, when Joe Biden became uh, was sworn in as president, in uh, I think the anniversary of his inauguration is this Thursday, the Democrats at that point had a nine-point lead over the Republicans. So that was the first quarter of 2021. That lead pretty well held into the second quarter. But then at the beginning of the third quarter, a shift began to occur. That lead between the Democrats and the Republicans shrunk to about one. And we get to the end of December, again, according to this Gallup poll, and the Republicans gain over the Democrats five points. So we go for a, from a nine-point lead for Democrats a year ago to today, basically, a five-point lead for Republicans. That's a 14-point shift. And reading in this uh, release from Gallup, that's almost unheard of, almost unheard of. They talk about historic, historically, what normally happens. The Democratic lead, reading from their press release now, in the first quarter was the largest for the party since the fourth quarter of 2012 when Democrats had a nine-point advantage. Democrats held larger double-digit advantages in isolated quarters 
between 92 and 99, and nearly continuously between 2006-2009. The GOP, on the other hand, has held as much as a five-point advantage in a total of only four quarters since 1991. The Republicans last held a five-point advantage in party identification and leading in early 1995 after winning control of the House of Representatives for the first time since the 1950s. So this doesn't follow your normal, regular pattern of the differences between the two parties in the run of a year. This is dramatic. And the next headline in this press release is what I want to spend some time on. Party preferences shifts follow changes in presidential approval. <laughs> what is that saying without coming right out in bold headlines? It's saying that Joe Biden is the problem, folks. In fact, in, I think it was a Quinnipiac poll last week and a couple of others. Joe Biden's popularity amongst the American people is down to 33%. As I say, this this is Gallup. Gallup is, is not a conservative uh, polling organization at all, neither is Quinnipiac. But this is what they are noticing, and this is the picture that is being painted. And this Gallup poll just kind of confirms what we've been reading in these other polls in recent days. Now, why is it, do you suppose? As Gallup is saying, popularity of the party follows the popularity of of the leader. Now we know what happened in 2020. The mainstream media, of course, was attacking Donald Trump from the day he became president. But then the Ameri they, they convinced the American public, I think about Donald Trump in the election in 2020, that, you know, he was at fault. He didn't handle COVID properly. There was the economic collapse that was in full swing in 2020. And so he got blamed. You remember Joe Biden came along and he said, I'll kill the virus. I won't kill the economy. And a lot of Americans believed him. But now here we are, early 2022. We've gone through 2021, the first almost full year of Joe Biden's presidency. And you know what? The American people who are the jury, the political jury, uh, they're saying, no, Joe Biden not doing it. Now, I think there are several factors. I think the, uh, the COVID mandates that we have seen, the mandates get vaccinated, and his OSHA rule, which was shot down by the Supreme Court just last week, that being any, uh, any kind of company, entity, even American Family Association, with 100 employees or more, they would have to force their employees to get vaccinated or to get tested once a week. The United States Supreme Court in a 6-3 decision last Friday said, no, you can't do that. The president does not have that authority. A federal entity like OSHA does not have that authority. Unfortunately, two of the supposedly more conservative justices on the second decision involving health care workers went the other way. We're not sure where that's going to end up. But what happened in that case, of course, 
was that uh, the Biden administration said any medical facility that gets Medicare dollars or Medicaid dollars, those employees have to be vaccinated. Now, the rebellion in the medical community has already started. We're hearing more and more about doctors, nurses, other parts, healthcare workers saying they're not going to take the vaccination. But those mandates, those uh, the COVID vaccination mandates, the mask mandates, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that and the impact that that's having and, and had uh, with regards to the Virginia election last November. I think Joe Biden's promise that he wouldn't kill the economy. Uh, we are seeing the results of the ongoing mask mandates, vaccination mandates. There are huge economic problems in the country right now. You know that. You have seen a huge increase in gas prices, which has a ripple-down effect on the prices of groceries, all of those sorts of things. And, of course, Joe Biden's decision basically to take away what Donald Trump had given us, energy independence. Now, there are other factors. We'll talk more about that when we come back. After the break, you're listening to The Awakening. Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson. Much more ahead on this Monday edition. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, let me suggest that you take some time to read his letter from a Birmingham jail. If you're young, I think it will give you a better idea of what the civil rights movement in the 1960s was all about. If you're older, it will remind you of some of the forgotten events and chapters in American history. Dr. King wrote the letter in response to a published statement by eight clergymen. He wrote it in the margins of the newspaper and later on scraps of paper and finally on a pad his attorney left for him. He answers his critics about his tactics during the civil rights movement and then makes his case for his nonviolent campaign. To those who call his action untimely, he reminds them of what it is like to be a black person in America that has seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim. He also deals with the controversial issue of just laws and unjust laws. He says a just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law or law of God. An unjust law is a code that is out of harmony with the moral law. Finally, he addresses the responsibility of the church. He notes that the church of the early Christians was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. And when they were commanded to do something contrary to the Bible, they said they were called to obey God rather than man. This is a reference to Acts 5.29. As you read his letter, remember that he wrote it when he was 34 years old and in jail. Ask yourself how many people you know, pastors, professors, activists, who could write with such intellect and such passion. This letter by Martin Luther King Jr. is worth reading, and I trust you will consider doing so today. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Critical Race Theory, go to viewpoints.info slash CRT. For American Family Radio, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Who is the one person you would give anything to meet? Maybe a celebrity? Maybe a historical figure? In the first century, there was a man named Simeon. He had waited his whole life to see the Messiah. He was very old, but the Holy Spirit revealed to him that before he died, he would see the Messiah. 
And then in Luke 2, it happened. Simeon held the baby Jesus in his arms. There's nothing wrong with you and me wanting to meet someone famous, but hopefully there's no greater longing in our hearts than wanting to see the Messiah, Jesus, face to face. As Titus 2 tells us, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I wonder how our lives might be different if we thought about that every day. Get Anchor Devotional and Print Monthly. Visit GetAnchor.com. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And welcome back again to this Monday edition of The Awakening. Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson today. We've been talking about a brand new Gallup poll just out this morning, which shows a dramatic, a dramatic shift. And even Gallup, as we talked about, admits they haven't seen this kind of shift in party preferences in years. A 14-point shift. Democrats uh, with a nine-point lead back a year ago in January. And that now has flipped to the where the Republicans have a five-point lead in party preference. And as I say, even the, the second headline on this release from Gallup this morning says, party preferences shifts follow changes in presidential approval. And we talked about uh, where President Biden is right now on approval polls, some of the historic lows after just 10, 11 months in office. All right, we talked about probably some of the reasons behind this, the COVID mandates the economic collapse, his energy policies. He killed the Keystone Pipeline within a few days of being inaugurated. But also some other things that I think have greatly impacted the poll numbers of President Biden and, as a result, the poll numbers of the Democratic Party. The absolutely disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. We lost 13 of our soldiers there. And then there was the incident of the drone bombs hitting that the innocent uh, Afghan family, killing uh, the dad and, and the kids. And so foreign policy in general. We have now basically, related to the energy policy of the Biden administration, any, ending basically the energy independence of this country that uh, Donald Trump gave us, now going, Joe Biden is, hat in hand to the Russians and OPEC saying, please, increase uh, the amount of oil you're putting out there to help us get our oil prices down. Foreign policy in general, again, Iran. There is great concern that the Iranians are developing nuclear weapons, and the United States appears to be doing little. We know what's going on with China's threats against Taiwan. And the North Koreans, just in the last week, Another two missile tests. What a difference from Donald Trump days. And then, and, and the mainstream media just refuses to cover this story. And unless you're listening to American Family Radio or Fox News, you know what's going down down on our southern border. Joe Biden decided to end the building of the wall along our southern border. Our Border Patrol people tell us there are almost 2 million encounters along the border, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants pouring into this country. The Biden administration takes them in, 
puts them in camps, puts them in some military establishments, but also, as we have learned, puts them on airplanes in the middle of the night, flies them out of border cities into cities such as Jacksonville, Florida. Republicans in Pennsylvania last week talking about this. Planes landing in the middle of the night in states all over the country with these illegal immigrants, the federal government then saying, here, you take care of them. Taxpayers in Florida or taxpayers in in Pennsylvania. And then I think there's there is another characteristic of, of the Biden administration and the Democrats, which may be worse than anything else, and that's the sowing of seeds of discord in our country. Dividing and this 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 whole push by the Biden administration pretty well started on day one. They said they wanted to root out white supremacy. Where is that a problem? We're seeing what's happening on the streets of our big cities like New York, Memphis, Chicago. For the the most part, much of it, sadly, is black-on-black crime. Murder rates, close to 800 murders in Chicago last year. Yet, what we hear from this administration is about white supremacy. They talk about insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. On January 6th last year, they used that word. Well, insurrection is kind of an armed effort to take over a government. That didn't happen, as we have said many times before. We're not saying what a lot of these people was right. They should be held accountable by a fair court of law. But there are people being held without being charged. There are people being held for court dates in May. We certainly didn't see that amongst Black Lives Matter people who tore apart cities like Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland. And then there was a speech by Joe Biden in Atlanta last week where he went on and on about efforts to have secure voting rules in various states, calling it voter suppression, saying people that don't go along with Joe Biden's plan for a federal takeover of our elections, basically referring to them as racist. There were even Democrats who say Joe Biden went over the line in that speech. A lot of people are saying, how is it? Joe Biden didn't write that speech. How is it that his speechwriters and those who normally check those sorts of things for presidents but maybe one has to say he, he must have read it over and then approved it and delivered that speech last week in Atlanta. As many have pointed out, what some of these Republican states are trying to do is just bring rules back, such as voter ID, and in a lot of states that were done away with during the pandemic. And by the way, need we remind you that uh, Joe Biden was attacking changes in Georgia, changes in several other states. However, the changes being made in Georgia, still the election rules there, the voting rules there are looser than Joe Biden's home state in Delaware. In fact, the rule changes in Georgia 
give people more time to vote in advance of Election Day. I think it's 17 days. That's more than they have in Delaware. That's more than what they have in the state of New York. And yet, he tries to paint the picture of voter suppression. Now, thankfully, there were a few Democrat senators, Senators Manchin and a, at least one other senator, and uh, they, they have put a stop to that. But I think for all of those reasons, the American people have made a dramatic switch in where they think the country is going. Now, what impact that will have come November? Uh, the pollsters seem to say that uh, the Republican Party likely will take over the House. We've seen 30, uh, close to 30 Democrats have already announced they're not going to run again. Maybe the Senate, uh, maybe the Republicans take control of the Senate. But we'll have to wait and see. But this, this Gallup poll is the most dramatic indication yet that we have seen that the Democrats, because of Joe Biden and his policies, are in trouble in this country. And we'll have to see how that manifests itself. You know, I talked about this ongoing charges of white supremacy and voter suppression, especially on this day, Martin Luther King. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. The, um, and it just continues. The U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen making a statement today saying our economy has never worked fairly for black Americans or really for any American of color. A speech that she delivered this morning in Washington. Our economy has never worked fairly for black Americans or really for any American of color. Do you remember the unemployment rate for blacks and Hispanics went to historic lows under Donald Trump? And it's just because he opened things up for business. It's very interesting. Uh, I heard Dr. Carol Swain this morning. She was on Fox and Friends saying that Martin Luther King would be appalled by that speech that Joe Biden gave last week in Georgia. Cut number three. Dr. King uh, preached a message that is so applicable today, and he would be appalled by the uh, racism uh, that's coming from the political left and the reversal of all the gains of the civil rights movement. And because of him, we passed three major civil rights bills in the 1960s that I would argue ended systemic racism under the law and made it possible for people like me to come from poverty and have equal opportunity in America. And so Dr. King changed so many millions of lives and he mm -hmm. fought for white people as well as black people. He was inclusive. Yes, that was Dr. Carol Swain, former professor at Vanderbilt University. Uh, now one of those people involved with uh, dealing with the false teaching of critical race theory in our country. When we come back after the break, I, I, I want to deal with the change of government in Virginia because uh, the new lieutenant governor there, Winsome Sears, also an African-American woman, is also speaking out against the charges of systemic racism in this country. And she points to herself. She says her dad came to this country, came from a, a Caribbean country, 
Her dad came to this country with a dollar seventy-five. The the host of the program said, "Was it two dollars?" She said, "No. He had a dollar seventy-five in his pocket when he came to this country." And she said, "Look at me today. I'm now the lieutenant governor of Virginia." All right. Much more ahead here on the Awakening on this Monday edition. Talk a bit more about what's going on in Virginia with the new government sworn in on Saturday. Back right after the break. It's my turn. Here is your host for my turn, Don Wildman. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. The words of Jesus. Somewhere I ran across the story of a man who visited a certain home. The home wasn't much to look at, kind of run down, lacking even a good coat of paint. Outside the home in the yard, a little boy and his sister were playing. They were laughing, running, having a good time. The man surveyed the situation, summed up that the family wasn't very well off. He asked the small boy some questions about the home and family. The little boy told him that his father had not been able to work lately because of illness and that his mother had to care for the father. When asked about his patched clothes and his bare feet, the youngster explained that he had not had any new clothes since his daddy got sick. After a long period of conversation, the visiting gentleman found out that the little boy and his sister had not been to a movie or to get a cone of ice cream or any of the normal accepted childhood pleasures for several months. Wanting to say something to help the boy and his little sister face the difficult situation, the man spoke, and this is what he said. It must be awful to be poor. Well, quick as a flash, the youngster answered back. Mister, we ain't poor. We just ain't got no money. Now, how true, how eternally true. He was happy. He loved his sister. His parents loved him. He knew why. His family was in the shape it was in financially, and he didn't complain. Money could not have bought what he had. How very shallow our judgments go sometimes. How very misplaced our values of riches. We think the only rich people are the people who have money. How miserable life would be if we had to face it on that basis, being poor if we had no money. We've made a terrible mistake here, and we have passed it on to our children. That mistake is thinking that a person has to have a bankroll in order to be rich. What a poor, pitiful basis from which to judge richness. No man is poor who has character and purpose, whose life has been touched by the Galilean carpenter, who has love of God and love of fellow man. Every man is poor who lacks those things regardless of his bank account. Whoever uplifts civilization, though he die penniless, is rich. And future generations will erect a living monument to him in deeds. A great bank account can never make a man rich and often hides real richness from him. A man is rich or poor according to what he is, not according to what he has. We are important because we are God's children, not because of position or power or money. No man is rich who has a poor heart. One of the first great lessons of life is to learn the true estimate of values. How poor are those whose major goal is a growing bank account? A rich mind and a noble spirit will cast over the humblest person a radiance of beauty which most millionaires 
we'll never know. So don't pity the person who's lacking money. Pity only the person who is lacking in character and purpose, who rejects the Galilean and has no love for his fellow man. For they are the poor ones, but those who are the opposite are rich far beyond the expression and means of mortal money. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And once again, Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson on this Monday edition of The Awakening. We've been talking about this Gallup poll that just came out this morning. Shows a dramatic shift amongst Americans with regards to party loyalty. A nine-point advantage for the Democrats a year ago. That is all flipped to today when you have a five-point advantage for Republicans. And as Gallup says, it... It really does track with the leadership of parties. And uh, the blame, for the most part, is being put at the feet of Joe Biden and the policies that he has put forward, forced upon, imposed upon Americans. And we heard from uh, Dr. Carol Swain just a few moments ago saying that Martin Luther King, whose day we're celebrating today, would be appalled at the speech that Joe Biden gave last week. And I think it's also very interesting that on Saturday, Republicans who won the state election in Virginia last November were sworn into office. And we're going to be talking about the uh, executive orders that were issued by the new governor, uh, Glenn Youngan, on Saturday. But also being sworn in was Virginia's first female African-American lieutenant governor, Winsome Sears. And she has a tremendous story, as we talked about. Her dad immigrated to this country with a buck seventy-five in his wallet, worked hard, worked his way through, Winsome Sears, eventually becoming a U.S. Marine and going on to other work. And she says she didn't want to get involved with politics, but people wanted her there. Now she's the lieutenant governor of Virginia. She's been doing a number of interviews over the weekend and she was saying there's there's not systemic racism in America, and she says she's proof. Cut to. Do we have that? I'm just going to repeat what our former, well, our current president, um, Biden, and our current vice president, Harris, has said about racism when they were asked, is racism systemic in America? Their answer was absolutely no. And so... I am the embodiment of what we're trying to achieve in America. Uh, We want everyone to have equal opportunity. And here I sit today to say it can happen. All right, there you have. That's Lieutenant Governor Winston Sears of Virginia. I'd like to hear from you and your thoughts on this today, on this Martin Luther King Day, about what's happening in this country. Is Is there white supremacy problem? Is there voter suppression problem? Would Martin Luther King be appalled by the speech that Joe Biden gave last week? Would Martin Luther King be appalled by what the Biden administration has been doing? Allegedly seeking out white supremacy in our mili- amongst our military members. Is there a white supremacy problem in this country? Or is, just, is this just the race card being played? 
exponentially by this administration. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. 888-589-8840. As I mentioned, there was a a new Republican uh, governor, lieutenant governor, and administration sworn in in Virginia. What a dramatic story last year. Dramatic story. When you think of what happened, it went from very firm Democrat control to Republicans taking control last year. We know the story. I think a whole lot of it had to do with parents finding out what their kids were being taught in their schools, critical race theory, Marxist-based critical race theory, which basically says if you have white skin, you are an oppressor, and if you have dark skin, you are the oppressed. The parents found out about it because a lot of the kids were being taught at home and their lessons were being zoomed into them and they couldn't believe it. And they start showing up at school board meetings, Loudoun County, Fairfax County. And they said, enough is enough. And how, Remember how the school board reacted? The National School Board Association writes a letter to the attorney general saying there are domestic terrorists showing up at our school board meetings. Parents concerned about the curriculum being referred to as domestic terrorists. The attorney general says, oh, yeah, I'll send FBI agents. And, of course, now we know the education secretary asked the school board association to send that letter to the attorney general. We found that out last week. But there was an uprising driven mainly by parents in Virginia. Enough is enough. We're not going to put up with this. We love our kids. And it was parents that probably a lot of them voted Democrat in 2020. But, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Even those who hold parents who hold liberal points of view, when they see that their kids are unjustly being treated in the classroom, they're going to speak up. It was very interesting when the new governor, Governor Youngton, uh, when he was sworn in, he passed some executive orders right away. Very interesting responding to those parents. He says, to restore excellency in education by ending the use of divisive concepts, including critical race theory in public education. Now, these are executive orders, folks. He is going to go after those school districts who promote critical race theory. Number two, passed an executive order aimed at empowering Virginia parents in their children's education and upbringing by allowing parents to make decisions on whether their child wears a mask in school. Now, here's what's happened in the way of reaction since then, folks. A couple of those school districts have said, we're not going to abide by that executive order. Now, the governor has given them six days to respond. They don't have that option. Here's what uh, Governor uh, Youngkin had to say about these, 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 those that are opposing his executive order on mask mandates. Cut number six. Mask order. Uh, Arlington County Public Schools essentially said it was going to ignore the order. Is there anything you're going to do to make that school system comply? 
Well, first of all, we wrote the order specifically to give all of the school systems basically eight days to get ready, to listen to parents. And the fact that that tweet came out from Arlington County within minutes of my executive order, well, what that tells me is they haven't listened to parents yet. And if there's one thing that hopefully everybody heard in November is it is time to listen to parents. So over the course of this week, I hope they will listen to parents because we will use every resource within the governor's authority to explore what, we're, what we can do and will do in order to make sure that parents' rights are protected. And that's the crux of it. That's why there was such a dramatic change in the government there in Virginia, because parents said enough is enough. And the governor, the new governor, Republican governor, is responding to that. All right, let's try to get a call in or two before we have to go to another break. Let's go first to Oklahoma. Afternoon, Greg, go ahead. Hey, Fred, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Second of all, I would like to congratulate the young lady from Virginia on her uh, elected office of lieutenant governor. Amen. And third of all, one of the things that I would really like to say is is that I, I think it is such a shame that the race card gets pushed well, occasion. Um, and I, but I'll tell you, I just get so tired of hearing that, and I'm a Republican, it, and because I'm a Republican and because I'm white, then I'm obviously a white supremacist. And I'm not. I'm not at all. No. And I, I, I just really feel like that, I, I don't know, man's not going to be able to solve the problems that we've got in our country today, in our world today. I mean... It's going to take it's going to take the Lord coming back, and that's that's what we that's what we just need to continue to pray for, in my opinion. Because Absolutely. I don't I don't I don't think the Lord sees color. No. He doesn't play the race No, you're exactly right. He doesn't see color because he created color. <laughs> uh, the Lord loves diversity; he really does. But you know what? His expectation on character, like MLK said, is obviously the most important thing. God looks at the heart. People look at the outside. All right, much more ahead here on The Awakening. We'll be back right after the break. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. 
And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. When I went home that day from the cafeteria, Daddy, I'm quitting the team. I don't want to play for that racist coach. Today on Focus on the Family Minute, Kerry Casey recalls a lesson his father taught him. My dad said, son, I want to tell you something. Your coach is the winningest coach in the state of Virginia. And son, he won before you got here. He will win after you leave. By the way, your name, you are a Casey and you are a Christian. Son, there's a way that we roll in our family. In essence, your coach is not a racist. He is checking out your character and your loyalty. Son, you need the team more than the team needs you. As a mom or a dad, you can help your child face adversity. More from Carrie at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. And Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson today. We're talking about this brand new Gallup poll out that shows a dramatic shift in this country towards the Republicans. Democrats had a nine point lead a year ago. That has now switched to Republicans having a five point lead. And Gallup says it really is tied to Biden policies over the last year and what has happened in this country. A dramatic political shift. I guess everybody found out what Biden policies would do to this country. All right, let's go back to our phones. We have uh, a new administration in Virginia sworn into office on Saturday and making some dramatic changes already through executive order. The new governor, Youngen, certainly uh, abiding by the promises that he made during the election campaign last year there in Virginia to give parents more power and control over the education of their kids. You may remember some of these school board meetings, Loudoun County, Fairfax, last year, basically school board members telling parents, we're not going to listen to you. You don't have any say in your kid's education. Well, that was just enough to energize a huge election base in that that, uh, state. And uh, we're starting to see the results pretty quickly. All right, back to our phones, to West Virginia. And good afternoon, Mike. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard on, a, on a, another program this morning that the Virginia's new governor has fired the Virginia Parole Board. I heard on that same program that Virginia has not had parole since 1995. Mm-hmm. This means that the government of Virginia has been paying a group of people to do nothing for 27 years. Well, part of his executive order is, uh, and I'm reading here, to restore integrity and confidence in the parole board of the Commonwealth of Virginia. So obviously, the governor has identified that as a problem 
and uh, plans to do something about it. As I say, I think he signed a total of 11 uh, executive orders. And uh, in the case of the giving parents the right to decide if their kids are going to wear masks to school, uh, those school boards, and a couple of them are already saying they're not going to abide by it. He's given them six days. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's head out to Texas. We say good afternoon to Paul. Paul, go ahead. Yeah, I'm a middle-aged man. I just wanted to give my – I'm on a cell phone, so I hope it doesn't break up. I just wanted to throw my two cents in. Sure. Uh, what's going What's going on in this country? I, I am a born-again Christian who loves the Lord Jesus Christ and is not ashamed of that fact. Um, what's going on with the critical race theory and all that? I, I believe that if you know Ephesians six twelve. Uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers in dark places. And what I believe is going on, I, I believe it's Satan, um, uh, you know, mess, is trying to attack people in the place he loves to go best, the mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jesus, Jesus loves people, and the Bible teaches God is no respecter of persons. That does not matter, whatever. And... Um, I think what the left is doing is um, any Marxism and anything founded in, you know, from what I understand, that that book is dedicated to Lucifer. The uh, uh, Richard Marx dedicated that, uh, or whatever his name, dedicated that book to Lucifer. It can never end well. And I, I think that um, the problem that could solve it all is if we turn to, to Jesus and, uh, you know, love people instead Amen. of, fall for what satan is it, satan's behind all of this or whatever Absolutely. um you know i was upset myself mm-hmm. uh i'm a trump i was a trump supporter a republican to be honest and i was upset but now all the division and all that satan is behind trying to do working through people because he works through people that's right. um it, it is now being exposed and uh, romans eight twenty eight. all things work together for good and now America has seen, you know, that what is going on, I think, and they are waking up or whatever. But I, I just would encourage everybody, life is so short. Uh, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, and he loves everybody, all of us, and is no respecter of color. Amen. Yeah. Amen, Paul. Uh, that is excellent. You know, at, at the base of what people would say are political problems, and on the front end, that's what they would be. But behind it all is, as our caller said, is spiritual problems. No question about it. Uh, Satan is a divider, and uh, he's been having a field day with those who are attempting uh, to tell a lie and teach lies to our kids in our schools. Uh, but I think, uh, and I'm hoping, there's going to be a first spiritual revival in this country, and that will lead to political changes as well. All right, uh, North Carolina. Chuck, good afternoon. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I would like to say that today being the holiday that it is and the left-wing radical agenda being what it is, if you if you ask the left-wing radicals, Martin Luther King Jr., a great man, they would say yes, but they stand against everything that he was for. Mm. He was for good. He was for good, godly uh, principles. He was for God's word. He was pro-life. He was for traditional marriage, mm. and that's what they're against. Uh, they are for abortion, uh, persecution of Christians, and God's word. Yes. 
uh, same-sex marriage, uh, transgender, whatever, mm-hmm. which is everything Martin Luther King Jr. was against uh, because it violated God's Word. And, you know, we just had a president, a uh, previous president, that was the most pro-life president of any we've ever had, and I believe that's why the left hated him so vehemently. Yes. Uh, thank you, know, you for taking yeah. my call. Oh, Chuck, you, you are exactly right. I, I, I'm glad you brought up this aspect of abortion. You know, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of folks don't realize when Planned Parenthood establishes abortion clinics, most often they'll put it in areas of the cities that have a predominant black population. People don't know that. The founder of Planned Parenthood, evil, extremely evil. The plan was for Planned Parenthood basically to do away with black babies. Of course, the Democrats don't talk about that. Hillary Clinton never talked about that. Joe Biden doesn't talk about that. In fact, they want more abortion in this country. The governor, the Democratic governor of California has said if the United States Supreme Court rules any setback to Roe v. Wade, that he wants his state to become the abortion capital of the country. That's the Democratic Party thinking that's out there. And folks, it is black babies and brown babies that will bear the brunt of those Democratic policies. And we've already seen that. Ron in California. Go ahead, sir. Oh, man. Uh, so you're probably known from California. You're just talking about how horrible it is here. <laughs> um, <laughs> not everybody. Yeah. Not everybody. No, no. Um, so... Everyone talks about voter suppression, but let me tell you, that is going on, but in a different way that most people think. Mm. There's Republican voter suppression going on, if you ask me, particularly in the last election. Look at all those Republican poll watchers that were kicked out of the polling places, and then they covered up the, the polling places with cardboard so they couldn't even look in to watch. Um, and then, of course, out here, as you can probably imagine, I know several people who mailed in their ballots, they're Republicans, and their votes were never counted. They would go online to see if their vote was counted, and there's no record of it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's voter suppression, but not in the way that I think most people frame the, the question or the argument. No, Ron, I, I think you're exactly right. And as we said before, a lot of the changes that are being proposed in states like Georgia are basically going back to the voting rules prior to the pandemic. A lot of these states, because we're in this lockdown situation in 2020, a lot of people were afraid to leave their houses because of the pandemic. They allowed for uh, more, for instance, uh, mailing out of ballots. And uh, in fact, in some jurisdictions, they just mailed out ballots to everybody. It was wholesale mail out. And they're saying, you know, we're getting back to normal in this country, and we cannot allow that to continue because it increases the potential for voter fraud. They're still in Georgia, as we were talking about earlier, they're still going to allow uh, for uh, voting way ahead, 17 days ahead of Election Day. A lot of people think we should go right back to the way it was. <laughs> All you can do is vote on Election Day, and that's it. And... The reason is with regards to integrity issues. 
Voter ID. For the life of me, I cannot understand why people are opposed to voter ID. You go to the bank to cash a check. You try to get on an airplane. You've got to show voter ID. And somehow the Democrats are saying that constitutes voter suppression. You know, they, they're trying to curtail uh, the uh, issue of just showing up on Election Day. Or, and, they're, and they're also trying to bring laws in so that if you've moved out of a state, you therefore cannot vote in that state where you used to live. Now, that just seems like common sense issues, folks. Common sense. Just trying to bring back some voter integrity. And instead, you've heard excerpts, at least, of the speech that Joe Biden gave in Atlanta last week, where basically he called that voter suppression. And he said it's it's a bid. It's a bid uh, to uh, stop people from voting. And then compared those who are opposed to this proposed federal legislation, which would give the federal government control over all elections in this country, he tried to paint them as racist. All right, it's not working. Once again, go back where we all started today with this Gallup poll, the American people no longer have confidence, for the most part, in this president. His ratings are all-time low, and he's dragging down the Democratic Party with it. I wonder if the Democratic Party is going to do anything about that. But great to be with you today. Fred Jackson sitting in for Bishop Jackson. He'll be back in the chair tomorrow. In the meantime, stand by for more great programming here on American Family Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.